I just remember when I think back at like how money would be dealt with and like some of the shady shit that they would do. If I got paid like a couple of hundred pounds at a show, they would organize me to get an envelope with some money in it at the end. And then they would say, get on the bus and go come back to the agency and give us the cash. And then I would never see the money again and it would go towards expenses. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of High Low with Emrata. Today we have on a wonderful guest, Suki Waterhouse. Suki and I met in like 2015 or something and have known each other and seen each other throughout the years. And she has a new show coming out, also obviously has a very exciting music career. And we're going to talk about a lot of different things today. So let's get into it with Suki Waterhouse. Stay tuned for more High Low with Emrata. Welcome back to High Low with Emrata. Hello. Hi, babe. Hi. Hey. <laughs> Welcome to High Low with Amrata. Thank you. Thank I'm you so-, so much for doing this. I'm so happy to be here. I'm really excited for you. There's so much going on right now. Not just the show, but like your music career, man. Thank you. We met in London, right? On Love Magazine shoot in like, I want to say 2015. Probably ages ago. So long ago. Which which version of that were you? Was that, was I riding a to- Toblerone? Possibly. Definitely <laughs> like, something like that. I might have that. been doing something like that. Yeah. yeah, there's a couple of iterations. Okay, so I want to talk to you about your music career and writing and what that's been like for you. I mean, I've actually been writing for years. I, I put out my first song about eight or nine years ago, and I've been writing. I've been writing consistently for probably like ten, ten years. And um, I first put out a song called Brutally about yeah, about eight years ago. I think that I think it was actually something I've always done quite quite privately but it was very consistent and it's really I really always felt like it was the only like literally the only place where I actually had a true outlet or a place to express myself that was actually all my own and I actually kind of yeah I think there's like a similarity between us with how you've taken to writing and 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 writing in like when when I read your book I just I gobbled up the whole thing in one thank you you were actually one of the first people who read it because it it went got yeah really yes I literally was on the couch and I just read the whole thing and I was like this is just incredible and and like completely kind of like it's just like out there and like a like a, a very like brave and fucking cool thing to do. Thank you. Yeah, no, I found writing for me to be, I mean, you started with modeling, right? It was the same for you as, yeah, yeah, for me. And if you are somebody who's creative, it can feel kind of awful to Mm -hmm. just be this voiceless, uh, like non-creative person who's involved in other people's creative projects. And writing is so nice because you don't have to like wait to be cast in something mm-hmm. or work with a team. It's something you do on your own. You can completely go and do it whenever and actually make, uh, yeah, and 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 create. And that, that was kind of where I found myself actually. Um, it would be like, 
you know, always after a shoot or after in the middle of a movie, it would be I would go to the studio like late at night and always be doing it. I'm very glad that I got to be a model first and an actor and 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 be creating and writing that entire time because I got such a rich amount of experience and loads of things to write about from those years. Um, but yeah, you're right. Uh, when you when you are a model, yeah, you you definitely you're kind of being trained and brainwashed uh, that you're this yeah this mute and and it's just like a billion people touching you and kind of creating for your for their vision and it does suck your soul a little bit but I feel like you always were really good even when we met I feel like it wasn't I had an understanding that you were not just a model that you were creative and were acting and I don't I mean I think you were putting out music but I didn't necessarily think of that how was that now you have the show coming out and like you have hit song your I love your I like hear it on TikTok and I'm like yes Suki I, <laughs> it's so great how has that felt like that journey from kind of being this model and being this like coat hanger where you're taught to be a mute to getting to this place where you are creative and you're a part of things not only that you're making but also with groups of people yeah I think it happened incrementally and I, I had this feeling where I really wanted to to break out and do different things and I knew that and I knew that actually I wasn't like I, I never felt entirely comfortable in just modeling, actually, probably because I didn't think I was very good at it, actually. You know what I That's mean? That's kind of sad. Why didn't Is you think you were good I'm at I'm not like seven foot and like a, and a rake. Like, you know, I think there are people that, that should be doing that for, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, maybe I just, um, but but yeah, I guess, um, that's how I started everything. I mean, I didn't, I didn't like waltz into modeling and and suddenly kind of be successful for it. I definitely, I'm glad I'm, I've got to kind of experience a lot of a lot of different iterations from it because I probably started when I was about 15 or 16, and and those first few years were like like toppling around London and like ginormous heels because I wasn't very tall and you know like spending the summer trying to get trying to kind of change my body and get really skinny so they'd be happy with me and then kind of I was always just a bit like you know like fuck them and like you know yeah. and, th and then I'd kind of reverse it and eat pizza and and then you know get called in and get in trouble or whatever in trouble with the agency yeah yeah oh my god I remember like it's so funny like I just remember like how much I would try and avoid my agency when I would go in like at like 15 16 because they'd want you to be in a certain kind of like look and I had kind of a strange style but they'd always want you in like a little top shot black skirt and like a, a little like all a, black yeah all black the heels, and all, yeah, the heels have a bikini on underneath I hated for the heels I couldn't deal with the heels like I had to be in I don't know I just had like a, yeah I had a specific way that I wanted to be in, and I would and I would kind of like run I remember I would like if I had to go to a casting or something I'd always just be like running past them to try and avoid them so did you hate it did you hate models I think I definitely hated a lot a lot about it but um I didn't hate it at all because it was it was it was a way out of the house mm. that was very exciting. Yeah, well you're not an epo baby which means that you've worked hard for Oh. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I mean, but, uh, I don't, yeah. I, there's no shame on the nepotism no, 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 babies, but, but I, I have nepo I do think baby it's a, energy though. It's a different journey though, right? Because you do kind of get used to hearing no and you don't have the in, you you come from the outside and then you have to infiltrate and you have to work really hard to get the attention of the important people and say like I'm someone because yeah. you aren't anyone when you are starting out as an anonymous random 15 year old right yeah yeah I mean I was lucky because I was in the middle of I was in the middle of London and I was about yeah I kind of lived in the suburbs and I would just be on the I'd just be on the bus going into London and kind of um just <laughs> yeah just ha it was it was a really fun it was a very fun time as well I get um, that 
Yeah, it was a good time. It was like like London and that and that and that kind of time period was was exciting. And then and then a couple of years into it, you know, I like yeah, I start I started like the first few years like trying to get jobs, going around in massive heels, and you know probably making like probably making a couple of hundred quid a, mo a month. I just remember when I think back at like how money would be dealt with and like some of the shady shit that they would do. If I got paid like a couple of hundred pounds at a show, they would organize me to get an envelope with some money in it at the end. And then they would say, get on the bus and go come back to the agency and give us the cash. And then I would never see the money again and it would go towards expenses. Oh, the expenses. I talk about this expenses. all the time because there's no mo there's no union for models. No. So you have these really young women who oftentimes aren't, um, they're foreigners. So they have like no family and they have no sense of business or anything. And they're totally exploited. And it's like, oh, well, we'll get you a car to the airport. That's $300 that's taken out of your check. Um, I used to get this like web fee mm -hmm. for just them having my portfolio on their I website. I mean, models still get, they yeah. still get that. And, and to print the cards just yes. to, just to carry, you know, 300 pounds a month or something. But all and these And you'd fees. ask about it and all this, you'd watch the, you know, not only just their commission. Mm -hmm. Also, the other thing people don't know about modeling agencies that drives me insane in any other space, like any other theatrical space, it's like a 10% commission. That's mm -hmm. normal, right? With modeling agencies, there's oh an God, additional 20% so that they, they negotiate with the client. They take 40% of your money. I actually only realized this a couple of years ago when once I left it, but they do a plus 20, which is theirs, and then they take 20% out of your actual check. And then they and then they charge you for all kinds of fees. I mean, sometimes I would go on go on trips and stay somewhere for a couple of months, and I'd just end up with a big fat zero. And they would put me in a model house with a bunch of girls, and charge us all like loads of money to for for like a, you know, just put, stack us all in well, there. Well, and it was never like you were never asked, right? The question there was never a question of like, oh, do you want to do this thing that's going to cost you money? It was like this is what you do, and then you would be like, oh, but this just took half of the money that I was trying right. to make, <laughs> and you're not getting paid a ton when you're first starting out in modeling. People don't know that. It's definitely for me. I always compared it to like my friends who are waitressing, and it's definitely better than minimum wage. Mm -hmm. It's pretty bad, yeah. and the expenses really do fuck it up. Yeah, they do. And and I didn't. I mean, I w I would never have wanted to ask my parents to come and step in. I remember. But I remember kind of being in that situation. My, I kept my parents very out of it. Did you Did you ever like ask your parents? No, like, I didn't. Just they don't. also were just bad at business. My parents are like teachers, basically. So they just had no concept of that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I mean, it's completely wild. No one has any idea. It is. It doesn't make any sense. Basically. Actually, my dad filed my taxes for me when I was like, whatever, 17 and I'd made some money. And like three years later, I got like $300 from the government because he had done it totally wrong. So... No, I wasn't asking there. <laughs> My poor dad's gonna listen to this and be like, I was trying, but yeah, it was not great. Stay tuned for more with Suki Waterhouse. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The Seven from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The Seven every weekday. So follow The Seven right now. 
The anime awards this year were amazing. And I'm still not over all of the amazing live musical performances. Honestly, same. The anime awards may be over, but our discussion is not. If, like us, you're still not over the anime award show and the results, join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. Listening each week to our breakdown of everything that happened at the 2024 Anime Awards and hear news on the other anime and pop culture that you care about. If you don't want to miss all the post-anime awards discussion, then tune in to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Welcome back to High Low with Emrata. So when did you start writing? Like what, at what point were you writing when you were also modeling? And was there a moment where you're like, I want to get out of this? Or were you just kind of, was it natural progression? I think it was a fairly natural progression, but I started acting. I actually got my first acting job from a modeling agent. I think he said, I think it was something like, oh, you know, you you're too, you have too much energy and you move around too much. And and I don't think you're going to make it in this. Go to this. There's a there's a casting for a movie called Love Rosie, which was with Sam Claflin, who now 10 years later, we're doing this TV show together. Which oh my is really God, that's sweet. amazing. Yeah. It was a role of his, of his girlfriend with Lily Collins as well. And that was how I got my first acting job. And had you ever trained with acting or were you just well, like winging it? I hadn't done proper, proper training, but I'd done a lot of, um, I'd done a lot of those like stage schools and, and weekend schools and singing classes and all I that kind like of stuff. I feel like the Brits are so good at that. We do, we do yeah. go off on the weekends. You and... go off on the weekends and you get really good at acting. Yeah. I was talking about this with someone the other day where like, it's just not the same as LA. You don't have that kind of like, everyone wants to be famous. It's like people do acting because they like acting and they're good at it. Well, I did, yeah, it would be. It was like a very fun thing that we do on a Saturday, and then I did. I, I would do like singing on the uh, uh, midweek and stuff like that. And then I guess you, yeah, you had like a. I had like a teacher at school and all that kind of all that kind of stuff. But it was yeah. There's kind of a lot of communal stage things going on over there. So you get this part, and you start. I'm sure thinking like, okay, I'm an actor. Like I can act. I mean, I don't know if I, th yeah, I don't know if I, <laughs> or just like <laughs> if I had pursuing that. But it did, yeah, I did start, I did start pursuing it. And I definitely, I think there was a moment after it, because when I, when I was doing very, like, when I had a couple of years of doing really, really well as a model, it did kind of, I remember actually I did fall into quite a, I, I fell into quite a big depression that lasted for a couple of years. And I think it was tied in with sort of public, just like, yeah, b being public and going through heartbreak as like a 20, 21 year old and having like a lot of eyes on me. And, and it felt like it probably didn't, it probably wasn't even, but, but it did. Yeah. It felt, I mean, you definitely did. Yeah. It felt like a lot. And, um, I felt like me, like myself was kind of, was very drowned in that. And I remember really wanting to take a step back and, and being on set and being in kind of these like families on set was actually, a, was a really lovely thing to, to be in. But I remember I had a role in a movie called Pride, Prejudice and Zombies. And that was, that would, that kind of took me out for a couple of months. And, and once you start doing that, the, and you're modeling, and you're saying no to, you know, I, I remember I got offered a massive, a massive show at that point or like, you know, big, big things. And, and you just can't because you're you're on set and you kind of, you know, that kind of like slows it down a little bit. Because you're saying no, you literally you don't just have can't. the time, the yeah. scheduling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just, they just won't let, they just won't let you leave. It was a natural progression. And I think 
by stepping away from it, I was given some, I was given some space to, you know, to, it took a long time, but I think now as I've come into, but yeah, I'm, thir I'm 31 now. I feel like- Same. A, yeah. So same when we room. met, we must've been around the same. I think we same like room. came into the public eye around the same time too. Do you think so? I always think about like when you burst into everybody's consciousness. I remember like seeing one of the first interviews that you did, maybe like a GQ cover. You came off the bat, like you were incredibly confident. You oh had God, a lot thank to you. say, but you really did. I remember That's it was so funny straight out of the, the gate. Did it feel like that for you? I mean, I was always, you know, an outspoken person. Like I was the type of person who would be at dinner and would like share my opinions loudly. But I think I was not confident. I think I was a child. Right. Yeah. yeah. And totally unprepared for mm -hmm. the scrutiny. I didn't have romance kind of like public aspect because I was dating a normie basically uh -huh. <laughs> but just you know the like all of a sudden everyone having opinions about you when you don't know who you are is um pretty bizarre and like quite hard and I also was in a depression in my 20s that I think resulted from some of that and feeling like who am I and what do I even want and yeah but I think that um actually writing for me was like the way to kind of get my bearings and like figure out. So like, I guess, yes, I have always been outspoken, but the person that I was then and the person I was, I am now is like, it couldn't Vastly be, different. yeah, they couldn't be more different. So it's funny that you perceive me that way because I felt like a mess. You felt like a mess. Totally. Yeah. I felt like, I felt like a mess. I think, I think, and it's, it's kind of like that process in your twenties of, of being able to find out like what kind of path you have and like having to draw away from things or, or or change things a lot to actually kind of like define what what your specific path is going to look like. Yeah, for me it was like figuring out boundaries in some ways, not just like modeling wise, which is obvious one, right? Kind of like what you're comfortable with, whatever, but just with other people and learning to like protect myself in a way that I just... I guess I was confident and came off as confident, but really a huge part of me was just like kind of a little bit of a rag doll mm -hmm. yeah. in a way that I'm like, oh man, I see that now with girls in their 20s. And I'm like, fuck, how do I teach you to advocate for yourself? I'm you so protective of girls in their 20s. Yeah. I'm so protective of my friends that I see it happening to as well, that are like are young in their 20s and and, and going through it. I just, yeah, I just, I don't, I'm con, I think I feel like you're the same, but I, if I know one, I'm like, just ask me about everything. Tell yes. me, tell me what the deal is like da, 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 da. like this is what you should be getting this is what you sh what should be happening this is how it should kind of feel in work relationships oh my god in work relationships i'm like we have to disclose like we as women have to talk about money mm -hmm. <laughs> we have to talk about you know who's hiring and what their vibe is and how to be safe literally and then how to be strategic and then also in like relationships <laughs> that's the other thing that i think that you know you can be really helpful to girls in their 20s when you're talking to them i should say young women in their 20s like because i just i don't know when you're in your 20s you you feel so much older than you are yeah and so powerful as well yeah but you're not you're not powerful at all no when did you realize that <laughs> probably in the last few years i just suddenly had like so much more empathy for my Myself as uh, if I look back as a as a being like a 20 21 year old and like god just like yeah being thrust into and just having no idea of boundaries or who I was around or what kind of situations I get what kind of situations I was in around actually and 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 I think after after me too and after after this kind of like cultural rise that we've had a, a, even more like when when that all happened it was like <gasps> yeah know? it was hard to process it a was lot of hard stuff. to process yeah 
Yeah, late 20s for me was when uh, it's the same, basically the same years. And I love being in my 30s. Me too. Yeah. I love it. Um, I so, feel younger now than I did when I was in my late 20s. Yeah, I have yeah. less. Yeah, I feel like less kind of damaged in a way and, and, mm -hmm. and, and lighter. Well, I think such a huge part of growing up and really being able to come into yourself is also forgiving your younger self. And for me, it wasn't that I needed to identify that I was like some kind of quote unquote victim. Mm -hmm. It was more that I needed to not think that I was an idiot. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that was just the, that was the hardest part, right? Like what you just said, having empathy for yourself when you're younger. It's hard because I think our natural instinct is to think, oh, if I had just acted differently, I would have protected myself. But then you end up, you know, because you want to believe that you can protect yourself, but then you just end up blaming yourself and feeling shame ashamed i struggle with like the narrative of for me like in myself like ever thinking that i was a victim like mm -hmm. that kind of like me too i hate really when i hear that word me. Yeah. yeah i don't want to feel like that but but then i think it's important to locate and and notice when you were maybe like you know you, when you were like victimized or or, in or a, taken advantage of taken or advantage there were situations there were things that were outside of yourself that impacted you and hurt you potentially we'll be right back with suki waterhouse warning this podcast contains juicy tales of a super dysfunctional family brothers betraying brothers friends becoming enemies, and a mother trying her best to keep everything from falling apart. No, this isn't a reality TV rewatch. I'm Dan Jones, your host, and this is one of my all-time favorite true stories. Join me on a trip to the Middle Ages to meet history's most dangerous dynasty, the Plantagenets. This season, the plots are thicker, the ambitions greater, and the betrayals are even more devious in the epic saga of the family that shaped our world. From something else in Sony Music Entertainment, this is History, a dynasty to die for, season two. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You may have heard of the podcast Juicy Scoop. Wondered what it is? Why aren't you listening? Well, I'm its host. Created it, been doing it for seven years. I'm Heather McDonald of Juicy Scoop with Heather McDonald. Now, I could tell you why you should be listening to my show, but my listeners wanted to write the ad for me, and here are some of the things they said. Not your regular Juicy podcast. Catch up on all the juicy topics from Hollywood and pop culture to true crime and beyond. Heather McDonald's Juicy Scoop always has great guests, great laughs, and great gossip. It's a comedian's take on the hottest headlines. Juicy Scoop is the pop culture news you want to hear. No BS, no filter, no filler. Raw, real, and in the moment. Throw in the hilarity of amazing comedians that you'll instantly be obsessed with, a juicy crime story, and a dash of normal life in LA moments, and you've got yourself an amazing week of Juicy Scoop. Two episodes every week, every Tuesday and Thursday. It will never let you down. Welcome back to High Low with Emrata. I want to get back to how do you feel like this personal kind of awakening, like getting older, whatever, getting older, quote unquote, coming out of your 20s has impacted like your career and acting and music and all of that? I think um, when it came to music, 
I wrote this record. I, I wrote. I had been writing the record for a long time, and then I kind of just got to a point where I was like, if I don't make it now, I, you know, I, I don't think I, I don't think I will. And I've spent a lot of years kind of slowly, you know, it's it, it's kind of like I was very very nervous to do it. I didn't think I could. I kind of thought I'd be laughed at, or you know, you just have so many things. Or like I'm a model, or I'm a this. No and one's people, gonna take my music. No seriously, one's gonna take right? it seriously. Yeah, and 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 also I felt like. I've been a model, I've been an actor, like is someone like is enough already, right? Like, <laughs> or you're just like really talented. <laughs> no, yeah. but like enough already. So um so I think so so yeah, so when I like approached making the record, I I found the producer that I really wanted to work with. I went to North Carolina. I I made it myself. I made it independently. I paid for it myself and and it and it was really just I had no label involved. I I just wanted to make exactly the record that I wanted to make with absolutely no noise around me. And I was really, to be honest, I would have been totally happy if it was, you know, if uh, there, there was a small amount of people that kind of fo followed my music over the years. And and I really would have been just happy with with that. Like I, I kind of wasn't Yeah, you expecting... weren't doing it for like a career move. No, I, I didn't I really expect, I didn't really expect, no, the idea of going on tour that I've just done. I've, I've just been on, I've just been, I've done like 70 shows since last summer, been on like three tours. Yeah, it's crazy. Like I, I, ne I never would have thought that that would have happened. Because you were doing it truly for yourself. I just didn't, I didn't even dream that far. I didn't even like think that far. I just, I, w I just knew I'd be really uh, unhappy with myself if I, if I hadn't put that out. And it, and it, and it all came from like the the album's called I Can't Let Go, and it, it it all came from like those years of feeling like I was drowning, like really feeling I was drowning. So I had to like memorialize it. I had to make that time feel tangible. Like it was kind of You're like processing making, it. Yeah, it was like making sense of kind of like the most important years that I, I had in my life. So um, so yeah, really that was that was the goal. And then and then afterwards, every, everything else that's happened after that, like getting it signed, and then. I don't know. The, yeah, the TikTok thing was super random because that song I'd released like seven years ago. So crazy. It wasn't even on the record. It's like playing in my head as a <laughs> talk, honestly. Yeah, that was it's a, great. It was an old song that actually my label were like, please, can you can you delete all the old stuff when we when, when we put out this record? Like, I, we don't, you know, we're not sure about all this old music. And I was like, no, these songs are like incredibly important. Like these are, you know, that there was like some of the first songs that I made. Wow, so, I'm glad you didn't Yeah, I'm glad them. I didn't delete them. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, just yeah, all of that was kind of like really un un unexpected, and 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 it was just like an, an incredible thing that people connected to it, and uh, and 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 now I yeah now I have this like this musical connection through my songs with a whole bunch of people, and I feel so much more connected to people from the whole experience of how does that um, relate to like when you're acting because obviously acting is such a like group project mm -hmm. and that can be the good thing that can also be like the bad thing where you have less control and you were just when you came in you were talking about like show's gonna be out really soon and it's a weird thing where you're just like hope people like it yeah and it's a little different than when at least for me when I've done like my own project I imagine with you with music where you're like well this is mine so at least I made it but then with acting you're like relying on so many other people I mean you're so completely many other things. out of control yeah. really you have you have control over a couple of things I think the difference between acting is yeah it's a group project it's um you're you're for hire you're part of a you're you're one part of a a, a giant 
thing <laughs> and uh, and music you're you're kind of the boss you, right you're really the boss and and you know that that that's been a wild thing um starting to go on tour and be like i didn't really realize it's like no i'm starting a like a touring music corporation where i'm going on tour and like there's not label support it's you paying for 15 people to get on a bus and you're kind of responsible for everyone <laughs> and you're and you're and you know you're go yeah you're going around you're going around the whole states and just you're like your own company it's your or, own company yeah it's also really that part's like kind of scaring me a little bit because that i don't, I don't know music is music is a whole other thing it's, it's just you you're you're the boss and you have to look at budgets and understand how, you know, understand you, you lose a ton of money going on tour, even though I sold out the whole thing. Well, music, the, the industry has gotten so crazy um, with like how you make money. Mm -hmm. I'm really sad to do this, but I actually have you to have go. You have to go because you have yes, to go on the plane. But um, I want you to come back on another time I would because love I have to. a million other things I, I want to talk to you about. But I'm really excited for you okay. and I can't wait to see the show. And I also would love to come see you in concert. Definitely. I when you're in New York. Too. I'd love that too. This was so fun. This, yeah, was, this so felt fun. like longer than 20 minutes. Great. I think that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> we right. covered a lot. Thanks so much, Suki. Bye. <laughs> All right, everyone, that was Suki. Thank you so much, Suki, for coming in and doing that in the midst of your busy press schedule. Excited to hear all of your thoughts on the conversation. As always, go to hilo.fm to send in your audio notes. I use those for the solo subscription episode called Talk Back, where we are in conversation with you guys. Thanks again for listening. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts. Hi-Lo with Emrata is a Sony Music Entertainment, Bitch Era Media, and Something Else production. Our executive producers are me, Emily Radikowski, and Sarita Wesley. Our senior producer is Medina Parwana, and our associate producer is Rachel Choder. Today's episode was engineered by Samantha Gatsik, with original music by The Crystal Pharaoh. Thanks for listening.